I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men America's best 100 men will test today but only three win the Green Beret trained to live off nature's land trained in combat hand to hand men who fight by night and day Courage take From the Green Beret Silver wings Upon their chest These are men America's best One hundred men Will test today But only three Win the Green Beret Back at home A young wife waits Her Green Beret Has met his fate He has died For those oppressed Leaving her This last request Put silver wings on my son's chest Make him one Of America's best He'll be a man They'll test one day Have him win The Green Beret And welcome back, fuckers, to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my much better beloved butter half. Lynn. Hello, Patriot. So today, I, I, I'm really excited because um, <laughs> I finally got one of my own on here, which is freaking awesome. I've been waiting forever to play that song. I've had that song downloaded for days and days and days. I mean, I probably had it since I was in the Army, and it's been just doing nothing but collecting dust. But I have yet to interview any Special Forces member or any member of uh, my League of People, the, pe the people I like to call the Quiet Thinkers, because there's a lot of us out there. A lot of people don't understand what Special Forces is all about. A lot of people say, oh, well, you're just the guys that jump out of planes and do crazy shit. Yes. yes. And we get a lot in our we get in into a lot of trouble. Yes, we do. Yes. But there's a lot of us, um, a lot of some of the smartest men I've ever had conversations with concerning politics, concerning money, concerning anything. 
the state of the world in this, general. Yeah, yeah, period. Um, our guys from where I came from, there are a lot of guys, very intellectual folks that are very quiet. Yes, they sit in the corner, but you piss them off. These are the guys I tell you, these are the ones that we should be worried about because the, the loud and boisterous guy in the room, he's just the guy in the room who's loud and boisterous and he's trying to make up for something that he doesn't have a whole lot of. He barks a lot, but his bite's not very fierce. Exactly. And these other guys that we I tell you about, the guys that are the quiet professionals, these are the guys you're quiet. You, you don't, you don't pay any mind to, you don't think that they're all that bad. And then when that door breaks open and the shit really hits the fan, these are the guys that you want standing in the breach. These are the guys that you want protecting these country, this country. These are the guys that stand up and when the time is right. I mean, you just heard Barry Sadler there. Uh, that's something we play. We hold near and dear to our heart. This is a very important song to us. And I know that he's coming from my side of the world. So that's the reason I get to play it. It's so much fun. I, I, I will say it. though, that, um, Mick and Charlie spent the last 20 minutes talking in acronyms and I, I, I sat here and kind of kept my mouth shut because I wasn't quite sure what they were saying, but hopefully they got it out of their system so that y'all can understand what the hell they're talking about. So uh, Char <laughs> uh, this is uh, T. Charles Book Bookwalter, and he is running for Congress out of the 4th District in Indiana. Uh, so, hey, I'll just give you a little bit of a background. He uh, graduated from Indiana University of Bloomington with a bachelor's uh, in science degree in legal studies and a minor in political science. Um, after 9-11, he joined the military. He served as uh, Special Forces Senior Medical Sergeant with which is an 18 Delta for all of those normies that don't know what the 18 series is. Um, and uh, was awarded the Bronze Star for uh, service in combat. And he rem remained on active duty till 2012 after returning to Indiana. Um, he started a bunch of um, businesses. Uh, during his internship with the Pentagon, he developed a commercial property in Frankfurt, Indiana, while working as a, in, I can't even, intuitive surgical residency <laughs> 2014 to 2021 medical device surgical representation representative. or representative and opened the jimmy john's as an anchor store which is awesome um he uh let's go, just talk to him yeah go check out his website folks um he all of his stuff's on there um i just wanted to give you a brief background but yeah. anyway uh with no further ado uh let me click on him and he's here mr book walter how are you doing sir welcome to the show charlie Thanks so much. I appreciate it. That's very kind of you. Kind introduction. And VLIN, what we were doing, and you're familiar with this, is what we were doing is we were establishing our bona fides. Yes. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We call it the uh, the dick measuring contest. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because as you as you both know, uh, within 30 seconds, you know whether someone is legit or not. And although because you checked out my website, you saw you probably had probably no question that that legitimacy but if without that website the first thing you think is all right i gotta first figure out is this is this a real sf guy or not yep <laughs> that's why i started asking the questions immediately that's why my first yeah. question what group and what, yeah, what, that, group? what team what group and if they can't out. say that you know immediately absolutely completely agree yeah. so now that we know we know all your background well first of all what got you into politics um, I guess I, a short answer that I'll, I'll try to keep these as, as uh, concise as possible. Um, but you know, I, I did get a political science, I, I wasn't, I got a political science degree. So, you know, I've, I've always been, uh, curious. I've always studied philosophy, political philosophy, um, those kinds of, it's always been a part of my background, but really it was due to the disruption in the last, uh, two years, you know, since the COVID pandemic where 
Um, I had to resign my very lucrative professional job and career due to flu vaccines and the, the jab mandates. Um, and additionally, our Jimmy John's and, you know, the commercial real estate industry, of which we own the building, the commercial real estate building and the Jimmy John's in our local community. Um, the local management leadership really wasn't able to stand up to the pressure that the health department was putting on them and the franchise itself was putting on us to mask our employees, to uh, social distance and do all those things that we didn't feel was the right course of action in our community, in our business. We wanted to handle it a different way. Um, and and um, despite all that, you know, the whole time I was thinking is, where is my air cover? Like, where is my leadership, my so-called conservative Republican leadership in our district saying, hey, everybody, going to the businesses, calling the local restaurants, finding out from people and supporting them saying, you know, these are just mandates. These are not laws. Uh, anyone, look, anyone that lives in our district that is familiar with our people and our constituents know that rural America, like a lot of rural places in, in America, rural Indiana, like a lot of places in rural America, responded differently to other places in the United States and in the world. And if you were paying attention, then, you know, a, a leader should have found, gotten the back or provided some support to people that were not did not want to live life uh, under the COVID regime, essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because yeah. we, we constantly rail about that. You know, we, we don't, we don't live in fear. We don't let fear rule our lives. And, and that's something that really came out of the military. I told you a little bit about mixed surgery. You know, when you face down death like that, whether it's your own death or the death of someone else, it, it changes you in a way where all the the rest of it seems kind of petty, you what? know, a little a little piddly. So you're not. We weren't as driven by the fear narrative as it seemed like everyone else around us was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we, you know, we didn't. Under, we're like, you, you guys are crazy. What are you doing? Just live your life. It's the flu. Mm -hmm. Calm down. You will make it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yep. Well, yep. And, th and that's how we treated it. And I'm sure I'll have an opportunity to get into it more. Um. But yeah, I, I did not comply. I, I the health department called me multiple times. They sent mean letters uh, to me that uh, that we needed to ma mask our employees. That that uh, some people were calling them saying that the local Jimmy John's wasn't masking employees or social distancing. And I stood up to them. I told them, I am not going to do what you say. This is my business. And instead of calling me and telling me that I need to change my ways in my local business. You need to tell those people that are calling you that they can go find another place to eat in our local community. How about you do that and save your time in calling me because I'm not gonna do it. So yeah, we, we did not comply and, and it was a great cost. Look, uh, you, you already dropped the, the name of the franchise that, that we purchased, but I don't wanna you know, badmouth them. It's a good organization, but I will, at this point, I'm not able to expand my portfolio within that organization because I did not comply with their mandates either. So, you know, I want to show people in the limited amount of time I have before the primary that I lived the life. I have taken on those, you know, I live the, the principles 
and I've stood up against the mandates and I stood up against the, the, the franchise um, uh, at great risk. I mean, at financial risk, right? But what, what we're dealing with is way more important than money or um, privilege or anything like that. So, um, you know, I just want the constituents to know that I'm not just saying it, that I did it. We do it. We live the life. So to get some of the basic, because there's three big questions um, that we normally ask candidates, like just that we think it, it, it spans all the way across the country from East Coast to West Coast. There should be three big qu questions, especially if you're running as an America first candidate or as, as far as I'm concerned, really a conservative period. And I, I don't say Republican for a very specific reason, because I believe Republicans have been corrupted and we believe that they're the same wings of this or yeah, two different wings of the same bird. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of both the same. So the, our first big question is obviously uh, God. Uh, I'm going to guess you're a God-fearing man. I'm going to guess that you have a deep discernment for God and God should remain in our country and with our people at all times. Yes, no doubt about it. In fact, uh, I was going to interrupt Lynn and I didn't do it, but not only do you realize how to manage fear when you actually are delivered from death, which, you know, if you look back on our time when bullets are flying, which I have been in combat a few times, um, probably not as much as you did in 21 years, but in my experience, yes, I was a part of that, that, you know, you realize how to control your fear. A lot of that comes back to our training, but really at the end of the day, the reason that we don't fear is because God is not the author of fear. And that is the number one, you know, you know, the whole reason that, you know, I'm doing this, it came after a lot of prayer. And the reason this, there's a whole spiritual movement and awakening happening right now with a lot of people the common man is walking out of the house. The common man and woman, the God-fearing Christian man and woman are walking out of the house saying, it's time to take the country back. And yes, I am a part of that. We belong to a, a local church, uh, which we've been going to pretty much since we relocated to this area in Indiana. Um, we serve at that local church. We volunteer. We're very active. That's where my wife has her homeschooling group, where she takes the kids, where they do a lot of uh, the homeschooling is through that church. So yes, we're a big part of it. And look, at the end of the day, everything I I have and everything that has been given to me has been the grace of God. And um, I fear the Lord and the Lord is what guides me. And I just try to walk every day um, and um, you know, in worship of him and in glory to him. It's not about me, it's about the Lord. I try to remind myself that. And I, I read Psalms one just about every day. Uh, because it's so important in our lives. And I got to tell you, for you fact checkers out there, notice I didn't say what religion. It doesn't matter the religion. Just a fear in God is all we need. And that's the most important part. And I know there's fact checkers that are going to come after us for that. Second one is obviously the Second Amendment. Um, and I have read a little bit about your your stance on that. So I'm not I don't think that one needs much more explaining. And uh, I know where you were. And there's no way that you walk away from where we were and hate what we used to carry on our hands, except for the fact we had to carry them up and down Nam Hills all the time like we did. <laughs> Minus that yeah. part, you had to swim with it. That was probably yeah. the other worst part. Yeah. But yeah. outside of that, um, your stance on the Second Amendment, protecting it the whole bit, correct? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm so far right of that, that I understand and I support constitutional carry, right? I agree with it. But at the same time, in my heart, I know that shouldn't even be necessary. Right? The fact that we have to go back and pass a constitutional uh, amendment at the state legislators because they have 
removed our constitutional right to the Second Amendment is very telling. And the only thing that I would um, say about constitutional carry is that if we put something like that in place, it's something that they can take away from us, right? Yep. I advocate, I, I say, I have the Constitution and I have the Second Amendment and I don't need anything else. And I don't even need to comply. And again, it's some people say it's radical. I don't think it's radical, but more people just need to not comply, which they don't anyway. You and I both know that a lot of people yep. don't even comply, right? The, but But they could use these laws to hurt people or to take away their rights. That's why they write these laws. Um, they can with, restrict with further detail. Yeah. Restrict, yeah. Restrict our liberty. They can take it. Away. If they can give it, they can take it. Just That's it's right. just like money. The government takes, gives you just as fast as they give it, they can take it right back. And we know that better than most, which is exactly why the founders said that these are rights given to us by God, not by not God. Right. By yes. God, because the government in a way. Exactly. Man didn't yeah. give us these rights. These were given to us by God. So only God can take them away, not man. And the last but not least, the abortion abortion. Uh, I'm going to guess since you're a God fearing man uh, that uh, you don't agree with abortion. And uh, that's uh, pretty much a, a non-issue right there. Yep. Not at all. I, I support um, pro-life legislation, pro-life measures. Um, I just will make a point to say that one of the most egregious and just appalling things is the financial incentive that Planned Parenthood has um, to buy and sell fetal tissue. I just think that is appalling. And, you know, whether you whether you agree with abortion or not, you got to understand that incentives matter. And when Planned Parenthood is incentivized to um to encourage abortion because they are financially recompensed through the sale of fetal tissue, that is appalling. And the, the Planned Parenthood admitted back in the 90s, I think, that the number of abortions due to the health of the mother is inconsequential if there's if it's even 0.1%. So these abortions are happening out of, uh, of, of um, uh, contraception. And you know we just need to look at the facts and face reality. So yes, I am. Uh, absolutely pro-life. I do not believe that a fetus is a clump of cells. Well, yeah. Abortion should not be birth control. At, right. That's, that's, and it was never designed to be, I mean, Roe v. Wade was not about abortion being birth control. Um, and, and that woman didn't even abort her baby. Well, it, I, I just want to point this out too. He, he folks, he's pert near a doctor. Um, I know what they go through. <laughs> After they're done with their schooling, I mean, they really, all they got to do is go take a test and they're PAs and that, that's a physician's assistant. And I, I know, cause I've got a bunch of friends who, who went and did that. I know I've got a bunch of friends that are now doctors. Um, that, so if there's one guy that I know that knows, and we would call these guys, we called them doc. We'd say, Hey doc, I got a problem. And doc was there to take care of you. Yeah. So hundred milligram Motrin. No, no, no. That, this was before <laughs> that. This was when they actually used to be able to give you lollipops and stuff. Yeah. No, dirt, dirt and water, V-Lynn. Dirt and water. Rub some dirt in it. Rub some dirt in it. Drink some water. You'll be fine. Look, I, everyone knew on my team, I didn't have the best bedside manner. That's why I'm not a doctor, right? I didn't have very good bedside uh, manner. But it's not only that, uh, Mick, I, you know, after I got out, and one of the reasons I went in and got it, became an 18 Delta is because I was in, in medical sales before that. And, um, Again, I want to reinforce the fact that I left, I was with Intuitive Surgical, which is the number one robotic company in the world and the number one um, 
robotic company that does the number one robotic procedures are performed on the intuitive da Vinci robot. But yeah, I mean, I had to, I was in the, I mean, in thousands of cases, I've been in the OR for the last seven years before I resigned. So I furthered that, that level of knowledge through, um, you know, leveraging my, leverage, leveraging my, my uh, experience as an 18 Delta into the medical field and, and being a healthcare advocate and representative for a great company. But yeah, I mean, it's fortunate, but my career in healthcare and medical devices is essentially over because uh, most hospitals and companies and which was upheld uh, in the, yeah. the Biden administration was upheld that healthcare employees have to get the facts. I've even had COVID, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't it? it doesn't matter because it's not no. about health. So, and that's interesting. You brought that up. And so, I, that's one thing I wanted to focus on. You said right off the bat that you were anti-mandate, anti-vax. Um, and I, I know you're not complete anti-vax. I, you, you've got to have some because we've all got, we all got them. You stood in the same line that I did down at Fort Benning. You got the air gun that shot whatever, who God knows what into our arms. Um, and I fairly certain you probably got anthrax too. Um, but that being said, you are dead set against this one. Why? I'm dead set against this one. But look, you just said you just kind of said it in your response right there. You said God knows what we got shot into us. Yep. Right. So my what opened me up to the the vaccine debate was when my twin daughters were um, my wife gave birth, and within ten minutes they were on a table removed from her getting a hep B vaccination and they were less than 20 minutes old, right? Now, as a medic, I was standing there, I followed the babies. My wife was still in the, in the delivery room. I followed the twins and I saw what was going on and they were giving a hep B vaccine. Hep B is transmitted through intravenous drug use and sexually transmitted diseases. And I was watching that happen and I knew enough medicine to know, wait, wait, well, hold on a second. Why are my newborn daughters getting a hep B vaccine right now. There was no discussion about it in the, and I was in all the conversations with my wife as a medic. I went to all the doctor's visits. I did everything because I have that level of knowledge. And that's when it first opened my eyes to this. And, and that was seven years ago. And subsequent to that, I have really, I've read a number of books. I've done, I've read and watched a number of documentaries. And yeah, I mean, I'm not completely anti-vax. I'm anti-mandate. But my eyes have been open to what really vaccines are. And I think there might be more problems as a result of childhood vaccination programs than there are benefits at this point. And I think they really need to be investigated. And I think pe people really need to do more study into it. I know for a fact, Mick, that, even, that physicians and pedi pediatricians have like a one-day block on vaccines. And it's how to give them and what they're for, yep. right? It's not what constitutes a vaccine. Here's the history of vaccines, which a lot of independent third-party people have researched. And there's a lot of incriminating evidence against vaccine manufacturers and those that profit immensely off of this. So, you know, I can't say I'm completely anti-vax, but um, I know for me, me and my family and my daughters, they will wait until a better time to get uh, their vaccines and they will be m more like one at a time, not three at a time, five at a time, seven at a time. And that's based on my own empirical study of the well, 
Yeah, we, we actually, we did a, an interview a while back with uh, Dr. Paul Thomas out of Washington State, Oregon. Yeah. Oregon, yeah. And um, he's got a, he had a practice of 10,000 kids and he was all about informed consent. So he would sit down with each of his parents and let them know exactly what was in the vaccines, which most doctors don't do. So he was actually able to conduct a study of those kids. Um, about half his practice was entirely unvaxxed. Some were, uh, you know, partially vaxxed, spread out over time. Some were fully vaxxed. And he presented the information about it to the uh, board of medicine and they pulled his license for it. So, uh, but you know, I think COVID has woken up a lot of people to exactly that because like for me, and COVID's kind of my my wheelhouse. I really concentrate on the jab where Mick concentrates more on politics, just that's where we're at. Um, mm -hmm. But I had no baseline <clears throat> for the jab. So I started studying traditional vaccines so that I would have something to compare it to. And that really opened my eyes. And I was like, wow, um, we hadn't vaccinated our kids because we have a, a history of allergies to vaccines in our family. And I was so grateful for that once I found out what was really in them. Uh, so that's, that's a whole nother fight. Um, with with that though, you have also seen though, uh, you and I have both seen it and you've seen kids born downrange. Um, and those, those kids, they don't, they don't get vaccines. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, I saw a lot of kids down there that, you know, they were born, didn't have vaccines and, uh, just fine. Real odd. To yeah, it is, yeah, that's right. Mick. And it's not only that it's, it's just like, um, when you go to the history of vaccines, it's the access to clean water, to refrigeration, to cleanliness that has been most impactful to the um, to like the further health benefits of society, not necessarily the vaccine. And if you look at vaccine charts, they'll show where, you know, you gave a vaccine here and there was this decline of vaccines, but they started where they gave the vaccine. What they don't show is in the years preceding, it was still on this, this decline. Yeah, yeah there's diet and it just continues that decline due to access to it. That's one thing. Another thing is, Vlin, which a lot of people that are against abortion and pro-rights activists should understand that these vaccines have fetal tissue in them. And that is a reason that like that is a major reason that you should not, you know, support vaccines. You know, so we, we give God praise and we just thank God, yeah, that people are getting well. It's only eternity that will be able to exceed all the people that we touched. So I tell everybody, please don't wait till you get sick. Don't wait till you can't breathe. Everybody needs to have hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in their medicine cabinet. Get it. Go on our website, drstellamd.com. Use promo code DEFIANT. You get 5% off. If you don't get it, if you wait till you get sick, by the time we mail it to you, it might be two or three days and you'll be going through serious panic. People have ended up in the hospital because they didn't know this information. Share the information with everybody you know. Give them the promo code Defiant. It doesn't matter. Even they don't watch this show. So that they can get this thing, keep it in their medicine cabinet. We don't know what else is going to happen. The last time I heard there was a fluoro, they had Fluorona, they had Delta Crown, they had Omni, Delta, I don't know. They, it looks like they just cook up something at Davos and then create some name and throw it out there and start harassing us. So just make sure whether it's Fluorocron, Delta Crown, or whatever, or Omnicron. They are all sensitive to hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Here is the part, here is the thing, right? There are some doctors that are hydroxychloroquine only. There are some other doctors that are ivermectin only. only. Yep. There are other ones that are destinite only. That's not what we do. When we get, somebody gets sick, we have a whole cocktail. We give them hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, budesonide. We give them uh, a Z-pack. We give them 
baby aspirin to stop them from getting blood clots. We give them a steroid to stop the inflammation. We give them, so you know what I'm saying? So it's a whole cocktail. It's not one medicine. And People I always tell me, well, I got sick and what do I do? What, should I increase my dose? I said, no, go back to the website, sign up as a, new, uh, a repeat patient and get treated properly. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Our, our, our DNA is given to us by God and, and shouldn't be shared until you're married. Um, but so that being said, I, you said you homeschool your kids. What, uh, have you always homeschooled or did you recently pull them out or yep, how we, we did, we did hope them school them from the beginning. So there I have twin girls, I have three girls, twin girls that are seven. And then their sister Sadie is just behind them, 15 months behind them. And yes, originally I had decided, you know, I just, like, I, I just said, you know, I am who I am. I'm a common guy. I did not want my kids indoctrinated in government schools. That's a bottom line. Moreover, and very importantly, is we want our children to have a biblical perspective of the world. So they, we read scripture every single day. We read scripture together. And, um, you know, it is an, a, the opportunity to give them a fundamental knowledge of the objective truth, which I believe that is super important. So it was a combination of that, uh, you know, being, um, politically independent and um, believing in Republican core beliefs that we decided to homeschool. So being that you're, uh, why, why Congress or yeah, why Congress? I mean, that's my so, big. Sure. Yeah. So Mick, you, I don't know, you, you and I will probably have some good debate on this um, because people have asked me that before. Why Congress? You know, it's a big, there's a big deal. What everyone tells you, oh, it's a big deal. You're, you know, running for Congress. Well, a lot of these issues that are important to me, are big issues, right? And one of the very important issues to me is defense and war. And my experience in war uh, has really led me to believe in a in a, a strong defense and a foreign a less foreign intervention abroad, right? Like we have, you and I have seen firsthand you know, so many details about what this military industrial complex is, right? It, 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 you know, it perpetuates itself, right? So we have patriots like you and I that join to defend our nation. And then 20 years into it, we look back and you and I, when we come home, we ruminate on this and we think about this and we wonder, you know, was I perform? what did I, did I, did we do what I thought I was going to do over there? Um, and you and I both probably have memories of doing things that would never be allowed in the United States to your neighbor, right? What what happens overseas, it's a, the fog of war, it's devastating. Although you and I don't carry any injuries, like I don't have them, I'm sure you saw things and so did I, that you'll never forget, that you don't forget the smell, you don't forget the sight, you don't forget the injuries and the violence. Um, and again, if you're a God-fearing man, you look at me like, is that what we're supposed to be doing to one another as human beings? And again, if you get back to the Republican core values and our founding principles, we have been warned again and again and again, because I think they warned us from getting to where we are right now, is to not search for monsters abroad. So, uh, you know, non-interventionist foreign policy is very, very important to me. And I'm curious, I meant if, if you lean the same way. Well, I am I more to the isolationist practice. I completely agree in that arena. Um, I don't think we, 
you don't go sticking your nose in a fight that you're not a part of. You keep yeah. your, you keep to yourself until that fight comes to you. That fight comes to you. You better have the ability to defend yourself. That being said, uh, at the same time, I asked actually the, why the Congress portion, because I would have thought you probably would have been more suited for the Senate than necessarily the Congress knowing what both houses do. I mean, Senate armed services committee, that's, uh, one of the bigger committees there in the Senate and uh, you have a lot more say in the defense of our nation. That's why I was wondering why the Congress, I mean, the Congress to me, uh, Congress to me today uh, almost seems like a null and void house. Uh, I know it's not, I know it, it really controls the budgetary strings. I get all of that, understand all of that. It just seems like it's gotten to the point now where it's become nothing but, uh, and I, I say this all the time though, a political shit show. It really has. It is so, <clears throat> it's so divided and there's so many members of Congress. It's like, how can you get anything done edgewise? Now with that in 2022, if everything goes as I'm, and I don't know how you're viewing it as I'm looking at it right now, I believe that 2022, yes, there is going to be a tsunami of change. Uh, and I, I believe maybe, uh, depending on what Congress does in 2022, um, really depends on, you know, obviously who's in charge. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge shift. I, I definitely think the Republicans <clears throat> have an edge here with that. Yeah, though, I agree. Yep. Yep. How many, Sorry. how many real Republicans do we have left? Because when you look at who's currently there, I mean, you've got uh, Cheney's daughter who she's scary. She's a scary individual to even think about. Uh, you have several other people such as that, that are within Congress still, um, uh, what's his name? Um, McCarthy. McCarthy. And what's his, uh, no, the other guy McC from McConnell. McConnell. Yeah. He's, no, he's Senate. I'm talking Senate. Uh, in, uh, Utah. Um, Romney. He, he's Senate too. Romney. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's, a, I yeah, thought he's he was, Senator. Oh, I guess he's crossing over for this, for this January 6th investigation. But either way, I, I just, I find it really hard that right now the, 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 Congress to me just doesn't seem like they seem like everything goes there. It just spins its wheels. It's not like it's really spun, spun out of control and there's just too much uh, going on there. Um, they don't seem to ever be, be able to decide any, anything about anything for that matter, let alone what's really going on in the United States and what the people want. Um, I look at the Senate as more of the ones to, I mean, honestly, you want to look at power brokers. I think they have more of a power broker stand of what's going on, where the pulse is in the, you know, in the U S and that's the one I, I've always looked at it that way though. I've always looked at the Senate has got the pulse where Congress just kind of comes up with these wacky ideas. And then the Senate's like, no, 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 you're my, you're my like horrible step little brother. Just go away. Go mm -hmm. sit in color. color. But yeah. with that, I do agree. Yes. Isolationist, a more isolationist view of what the United States should be completely agree. Should, should we not be the world's police force? Should we pull back all of our forces? Um, I, I think we should. I think to extent, to an extent, we should. Because some of these countries we've been in forever and a day, I mean, I can just name off a couple. Germany, uh, Japan. We have bases in Japan still from World War II that we have not left. Korea. Look, hey, look, I'm sorry, guys. Um, there's a time where you come to learn to stand on your own and you either, yep. you know, stand up, be yourself, or, you know, you flounder, but it, we've been doing this too long. We've been spending too much money going to these different locations that really we're not seeing anything pay off for us. I mean, look no at what, about it. you know, China, look at China right now. What have we, what are we doing in Korea that's stopping China's progression of moving all there, nothing, nothing. We just yep. let it go. We just let it happen now. Um, and yep. you're absolutely right. When you said that there's a lot of us that come back and we look at it and we say, you know, what did I do? What was I right. doing? 
And the worst thing to ask, especially when you've done it, especially for me, one of my most horrible questions I asked, what was the point of me being there? Why was I there? Especially like Iraq. That was a big one. Like I look back on Iraq now. We turned around and gave Iraq right back and Iraq turned right back around. They've almost gone back in the same exact direction that we found it in. Why? Why was I there? What was? Why did all those Americans who were there die? Why did they get yep. killed? That doesn't make any sense to me. And Afghanistan was, that was, don't even get me started with that one because that one about made me lose. I don't know how many interpreters, uh, people that I had over there that I knew that were still in the country were calling me saying, hey, can you get me out? Can you get me anything? I'm sure you had the same phone calls. Um, people just asking, Hey, can you do something for me? Is there somebody you can call? Um, I had a number of them that called me and they were like, Hey, I got to get out, got to get out. What can I do? Cause I'm going to die. I know I'm yeah. going, I'm on their list. I was with you. We did that stuff. We killed those people. I know what happened. They're coming after me. And Biden was just like, well, whatever. I, I could not believe yeah, no, it. No, no doubt. It is immense loss of blood and of blood and treasure. It is an immense loss of blood and treasure. And if the most valuable resource is a human mind, look at all those resources that we have. But and not just not just Americans. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I I remember. I not that I remember. Like, of course, we vividly remember this. But not once when I saw a dead enemy did I think to myself that I that I think that was a good thing. I, I saw a son, a father, a brother, and that is what, that's what human nature, you know, shows you in combat that when I looked at it, I didn't think this is a good thing that this enemy is now dead. Even if it was an enemy that was just trying to kill us, I thought this is a human life, right? So that's very telling. And I don't know if you have that same experience. Yeah. Another thing is. Absolutely. Okay, do. Yep. Yep. Okay. Another thing is. You know, and when we say isolationists, I just want to be clear that in a way I agree with you. But like the great Ron Paul said, we're not isolationists in that we don't want to be a shining light, a beacon on the hill to have diplomatic ties, to trade, to to show people what a good open free market system would look like. What what isolate, you know, when people impugn us for being isolationists, we're just saying, hey, we just don't think that we should go bomb everybody that that our diplomacy is always green berets. Well, right? it, yeah, correct. And it's and, always, it's in the pen. It's not in the bomb. It's not in the gun. It's in the pen. Our diplomacy is in the pen. Um, I liked, uh, I, I liked Trump and where he was going with that. I really did because he was starting to pull us all back. He was like, look, we'll still trade with you. We're just not right. going to put our people in harm's way. We're going to, of gonna course, we're going to keep our people here. We're going to make America great. We're we need going, to take care we'll of our own country. We'll be that shining light. We'll be that shining light that you can look at for uh, poverty, for ways to fix poverty, for ways to take care of our own, how we take care of our vets, how we educate our young, how we educate even, even our older people as they transition through life. Our education systems will be second to none. Our, our medical systems will be second to none. That was his plan. I agreed with that. That was the way we should have been. We shouldn't be stretching our military all over the world, touching every continent at the same time. That doesn't make any sense because it doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, it doesn't do anything as we've seen in foreign policy. It doesn't do anything for you. Oh, it's this isn't the 80s. We have so many people that are so locked in and laser focused on what happened in the 80s with Russia. Well, if we build this here, they won't move here. That's not the way the battlefield is anymore. Nobody has adopted. We are falling into the Russian trap. I have said that over and over again, that the United States has 
falling into the Russia trap that we are we're grown so big now. We have so we're so fixated fixated on what battle was as compared to what battle is going to be. And as a green brain, you know this as well as I do, you can't fixate on that. You have to go to the place where nobody else wants to go because that's where it's going. That's where we're going to end up. You have to be able to think outside the box. Everybody's so locked into thinking inside the box. They have no idea what's really going to happen here in the future. And without that foresight, without that foreshadowing, without that ability to look forward, we're so fixed on this old mentality. I mean, you remember back in the day, we used to walk around with the, um, we were fighting communists well up through the nineties. We were fight, fighting communists. That's the battlefield that we were given every time we went to JRTC or we went somewhere else. We were fighting a communist based military. Yep. It yep. didn't change until when 9-11, 9-11 changed everything. Oh, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. We might not be fighting these guys when we go downrange, Huh? Mm -hmm. I mean, at NTC in 2000, their battle plans for the op four at NTC were still based off of communist traditional fighting tactics tactics. They didn't change until after nine 11, nine 11. Now they're trying to figure out, they were trying to figure out for years. How do, how do we mix in a militia type and who do they call? They call green berets. How do we do this? Mm -hmm. What is an indigenous force look like? And then we started breaking forth, you know, something that had been echoed for generations in the Green Beret world that said, hey, look, we're never going to fight that fight again. That fight's over. We're never going to fight tank to tank. There's not going to be dug trenches. There's not going to be. I mean, maybe there might because we're seeing in Ukraine right now. I mean, I saw some trench things that look, definitely look like trenches and pillboxes, but you're not going to see that type. I don't think the United States is ever going to see that type of war again. It's yep, going to be yep. through the mind. It's going to be through social warfare, as we've seen. That's been huge. Um, we're going to see it through every other type of warfare because nobody wants to get into a fixed battle with us. But, and that being said with the Congress part, what, how long do you look, how, if you get elected, how long do you plan on staying there? That's a good question. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, first of all, I, I can guarantee you this. I'll never be a septuagenarian in Congress, okay? I think that's one of the major problems and major issues we have. And I don't really understand it. I don't understand why these Congress men and women stay in Congress for so long. Why is Nancy Pelosi, I have my ideas uh, why Nancy Pelosi is running again for re-election. Um, but it's, you know, you could ask the average common man or woman that's 70 years years old, would you run for Congress right now? And they'd say, no, they're in retirement. So it's kind of unusual that they do this. There is a fight that needs to happen. Um, and there's a lot of people right now that are- Term limits? Uh, uh, you know, I would support that, but a lot of people say that you need, it's gonna take, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I definitely agree that it, you know, um, you know, the reason I think I'm, a, I'm a, I can do this job is because I've demonstrated competence. So there is a learning curve. They have to learn how to be effective there. Um, but I think that the way that a lot of us believe now that are running against these incumbents, um, you know, these are really they're not radical ideas that we believe, but they do fly in the face of the establishment. Um, like, like uh, approaching Department of Education in a different way. Um, the Vaccine Act of 86 that I think people will start talking more and more about. Um, um, a, 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 signing every NDAA without even debating after getting out of a war and leaving $80 billion worth of materiel in Afghanistan. Republicans not only signed the NDAA, they gave them $20 billion more money. 
Um, and I think those are stances that I, I hope that patriots that are looking to, to um, represent their constituents are willing to stand up and fight that. And if we are, you know, I, I don't know what that means for how long a congressman needs to be in office. Um, but I can tell you this, uh, I won't be 70 years old doing it. I'm 45 right now. Uh, I, will, I, will, it will, I will approach it just like I did my service in the military. Um, I joined because the country called and it, it was an explicit call for people that were considering uh, joining the military and serving their country. And then when my wife and I decided that we had served, we had done our duty, uh, we had done to the best of our ability, we'd done everything we can, we went back to Indiana. We came back to Indiana. So I really like the idea of citizen soldiers, citizen politicians. I have no problem. I would absolutely entertain um, term limits and those kinds of anything like that. Um, but I can't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how long that people will, my constituents will continue to reelect me when I get elected. Uh, I encourage anyone to primary me. I encourage any liberty-minded people to keep me honest and make sure that we're, that those of us that are running in 2022, um, adhere to the principles they're running on the core Republican values that, that we're, that we're running on, which Republicans that we know right now that are leading the country have completely betrayed us. They have lied to us. They have betrayed us. And we have to have an effort to stop this. And if, if we can all look at it and be like, hey, our time here is done. The next Liberty candidate needs to run for office and I will resign. You can, we need fresh blood in here. There's no reason that I should be in Congress for, for that period of time. We live on a homestead. I've got young children. I, I don't want to live in DC. I want to live in Indiana, in rural Indiana with my family, right? I am not in this for the money. Um, I'm not in this for, for power. And I just hope that there's so many Liberty candidates right now that are running and I can, I've got an idea that I'll, I can run by you. I don't know if you think it's kind of a, it has to do with Sears school and, and, uh, the military, but there are a lot of people that are running for office right now. And I really hope that they're running for the right reasons and they're willing to say to their constituency, I will not take the money. I will not give in to the honeypots. As soon as I step off that bird in Washington, DC, I am, I'm not gonna take the first check that comes my way. I'm gonna, um, I'm going to tie my ship to a Liberty Caucus, to liberty-minded patriots that are already in Washington, DC, to help navigate the brackish waters of the swamp in Washington, DC, and not be bought off. Because we all know, and I've heard you guys talk about this on your podcast before, that you will be uh, blackmailed immediately, right? And then you are completely ineffective, and you know, and my idea, Mick, is uh, something along the lines of a Sears school for political uh, candidates that run for office. And if there are there are politicians right now in Washington D.C. that don't give in to the corruption, they stand on principle. Dr. Ron Paul was a great example. Dr. No, for he didn't lobbyists didn't even go to Dr. Paul's office because they knew they weren't going to be able to buy him off well what if dr ron paul ran a, a serious school for politicians that said here's what to expect right so that when you come to washington dc when you go back to your district you can hold your head up high because you did not take the money you did not give in to the corruption and, and a, a some kind of uh of um uh program where 
politicians that are going into it can learn how to identify corruption, learn how to identify bribery, learn how to navigate the brackish waters of Washington, D.C. So when they return back, they can do it with dignity and honor and and uh, remain true to what? The core Republican beliefs, limited government, responsible government, federalism, free and fair elections, open and transparent government, and individual liberty. Those are the fundamental core principles of the Republican Party, which I say again, have completely been, we have been betrayed by those that tell us one thing and then they go there and they're immediately corrupted and they do another, right? And although I'm not, although I'm not saying that, sorry to interrupt, although I'm not saying necessarily that the incumbent I'm running against has done that, I'm saying that he's completely quiet on this issue. Like they're, you know, they, they, these Republicans need to use that platform to speak out against this because the common man, the common man knows that there is so much corruption and grift that, that happens in DC. It's such a swamp and it, and it's just a terrible place that I'm willing to take on the risk of helping lead the common people to get our country back to the founding principles and the fundamental principles of the Republican party. But I need the people to support candidates like us and the liberty liberty minded candidates. So I'll let you. So I know that's, that's, that's great. I, I love the idea of a congressional boot, boot camp. camp. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think yep. that, um, that the, the final test at the end, and we've said this before, it should be the citizenship test that immigrants have to take to come into our country because it is extensive and thorough. And I mm -hmm. would, I bet mix next paycheck that, um, which ain't much, <laughs> which of course, I well, would which bet. one, which one, my retirement <laughs> yeah, one, or I, I'd bet Nixon. That's the big one that, uh, yeah, that, that most people currently sitting in Congress or the Senate could not pass a citizenship test. They, they, they don't even know the constitution anymore. They don't teach it in school because constitution day is over the summer. Well, you know, I, I do. You brought up, oh, first of all, uh, my mind's blown because you brought up a lot of great points. And yes, I completely agree with you. You wanted to run like something like, absolutely. I think Rand Paul's a perfect example, a perfect example of that. Marjorie Taylor Greene, another one, perfect example of another person that can sh show you, hey, look, don't get bought and show you like what to expect, kind of like a what to expect when you're expecting book. The guys get, Hey, look, this is right. what, to, yeah. what you're expecting. Yeah, this exactly. is what your wife is going to go through. Um, the Democrats probably already have something like that, except I'm sure they have a boot camp to tell you, you know, how to, how to cheat, lie and steal the most effective way. Cause, um, that's, that's kind of what they do. Well, most of it. Yeah. But I, th that's, that's a great idea though, that I think something should be put together like that. But at the same time that you say that, I, I also look at it this way. Um, you're the only person that's got to come home and look at yourself in the yourself in the mirror. You know, I, right. I don't understand how some of these people do it where they can go in one day, go to Washington one day, get bought off and then come home and think, well, I, I'm prideful and honorable. I served my country. I was a Congressman. No, you got bought off. We, we know it. We can see your voting yeah. record. Like they don't fear God, Mick. They don't fear God. They don't put God first. They put themselves or they're human first. They have it's, it's all Psalms is about this. It's prideful human behavior is what it is. It's prideful human behavior when they come back and they beat their chest and they say, look at me, look how great I am instead of glorifying God. And again, yeah, if you don't love God, then you can do things like that. And then you can justify them um, just like a lot of us have done before we really found 
God and our Savior, Jesus, a lot of us justified some of our behaviors in the past by because by just relying on ourselves, right? Um, so that's my that, that's why I think they can justify it is because they don't love the Lord, I think. Well, in, in, in to boot, it, it, it's not even like you just have some pride in yourself. I don't understand. I don't know if you would... I mean, I can, I could see it being very helpful, especially because the learning curve going into Congress is very steep, learning how a bill is passed, learning how a bill is created, how to get the, the, the bill on the floor to get a vote for it. And you, a lot of people do not understand that you just can't say something as a congressman and say, well, I'm going to nominate. No, you have to put a committee together. Then once right. the committee's done, you've got to put the bill together. Once the bill's done, then you've got to have the number of votes to call the bill to the floor. After you get the bill called to the floor, then you've got to have the speaker of the house actually take the bill on and actually say in an, uh, a legislative session that yes, this is a bill we're going to address. So there's like 90 hands right there alone that you have to grease. That's even before the bill is even read on the floor. That's even before a vote's even proposed. That's not even, that's even saying that the, the, the house, the uh, leader of the house is going to say, well, I'm going to form a, an exploration committee into this bill and how this bill works and how it will affect America. Because if she or he at that point does that, then it goes back to, then it goes back into committee. It could be in committee for the next three years before the bill's ever heard again on the floor, before anybody gets a chance to vote on it. So I don't think people know enough about how our government works for <clears throat> that to take place. And I completely agree with you. For a junior congressman or a junior, uh, yeah, really just a junior congressman, going through that, yes, I think a lot of people would uh, take, yeah, be like, yeah, maybe we need to do that. But then my next, with that though, uh, saying that, not getting bought off. Uh, what is your take on that? What is your take on that whole part of it? The lobbyists and the lobby activity. I mean, if we're going to go as far as per putting term limits in place, what about lobbying, cutting down donation, you know, <clears throat> support, the cap on donation support to any political candidate, you know, just a really small amount of money. Like you can donate more than this in one year. After that, that's not only going to be taxed, it's going to be triple tax, quadruple tax. If you donate anywhere past that. Yeah. So let me just address something and say, I think the most important thing for a, a junior congressman would be to not just go to DC and espouse principles, right? It's to actually vote the principles like Dr. Ron Paul did. Um, and and it, as you learn as a junior congressman, the process is what you're referring to, the, the process of, of how things get done in Congress. I would look for those opportunities. Here's an opportunity. you you try to start a congressional inquiry on how the CDC and other federal agencies handled the COVID overreaction, right? So those are, and, and you know, as a, as a single patriotic congressman, it may not go very far, but at least people can see that we are trying to get these things done. And when a vote comes across the desk, then you vote principle, right? Because you're right, as a junior congressman, I'm learning the process. I, I I won't have committees, particularly if I align myself with other patriots, right? The party is not going to, to give those great committees. But at this point, we're beyond all that. Who yeah. cares about committee chairmanships if our country is headed in a direction where that, that, that kind of stuff doesn't even matter anymore, Yeah, right? Yeah, these I are big see. issues that we're talking about, right? These are the these are a, 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 this is a soft totalitarian takeover of the United States, and we all know it. We all see this. That is the movement. That is the moment that we all—the spiritual moment, this moment where everyone's running. The common man's coming out to do this. We all. So, 
People can say, oh, you're not going to get a, a chairmanship on a committee. Okay. Our issues are bigger than that. <laughs> so, we well, that, issues. that that actually brings me to, to my last question. So from a, you know, because you guys have seen things that most people haven't seen. And I think most, most military guys who've deployed or seen combat understand that the world is not as... Uh, Nice. Yeah. I mean, most people look at the, or used to look at the world through rose colored glasses and you guys had those glasses ripped off your face with your, you know, in boot camp, pretty much. Um, so from a, a 40,000 foot perspective, as it were, what do you see that their plans are? Um, you know, wh what do you, what do you see coming? What do you think their, their ultimate goal is to, to put us in the situation that we're in right now or that we're heading to? Um, well, I think COVID has proven that it's not about health. It's about power and control and controlling people. I think the landscape of the United States service sector is going to change drastically in the next few years. As franchisees like me uh, and our franchise agreements come up and small businesses continue to close because we can't compete with the government. Um, uh, the, the printing off of money and all this stuff has made the as, – as, uh, created a labor shortage and small businesses are suffering suffering immensely right now and that allows an opportunity as business people get out of small businesses for large venture capitalists or large elitist groups to come in and to buy more and they can continue to centralize each industry so pretty soon main street in small town america is going to be centralized by people that own everything. And I, I, I study a lot, the WEF and Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset. And I, 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 I think there's a lot to what they say. I think they're losing, but I think there's a lot to be said that they, they, they want the average American to, be, to own nothing and to be happy. I think that there's gonna be continued, in, uh, they're never gonna stop printing money and handing it out to people because they want people to be reliant on the government. I really do think they want people to sit at home and not work and so that they can continue to give them things. And that is completely undermining and ruining the middle class, right? So I, I, am, I see this firsthand. I see they have forced a minimum wage on me. Now, one, they shouldn't le legislate a minimum wage, but through inflation, which I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about this because I haven't talked much Please. about the incumbent, but the incumbent, a Republican in my district, voted for both stimulus bills and the CARES Act. And right now, the incumbents right now, the Republican incumbents are, are impugning or whatever you want, the, the Biden administration for inflation that they're blaming on the Biden administration. And I always turn the finger back around and point to them and say, you're the one that voted for the stimulus bill. That stimulus bill, both stimulus bills and the CARES Act, paid people to stay home. So you have to take some of the responsibility. And business owners like me that, you know, I kind of consider myself an amateur economist, saw what was happening with these stimulus bills, that it is going to create inflation. When you pay people to say, stay home and you have higher, more money chasing fewer goods, then you are going to have inflation. I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but in the last two years, 25% or more of the US of dollars in circulation have been printed in the last couple of years, 25%. Um, so that's why we're seeing this, this, just this hockey stick of inflation, but Republicans cannot point the finger. This is just politics. They're just pointing the finger at the Democrats saying it's your fault. When in reality, 
And this is why it's important, why, why Congress, right? This is why it's important is that, that, that Congress regains, you know, Congress should have so much more control over what happens in the United States. They've completely given up their, all their responsibilities to declare war, when we go to war, how we fund it. Um, they haven't been leading in this COVID pandemic. They should be standing up against mandates and vaccine passports and all that nonsense. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my short answer to my long answer to <laughs> well, no, that, that was great. And you're absolutely right because Congress controls the purse strings. They got right. control yeah. of those purse strings again and stop just dumping money out, throwing money yeah. at problems. And I, you're absolutely right. And that's something that really pisses me off about Republicans. There's not a Republican up there that's willing to just say, well, that's partly my fault that I did that. My bad. Yeah, no, they won't take they won't take responsibility. No, it's just, it's, again, it's politics. You yep. guys are it's your administration in charge. It's, it's so your you, fault. You're the ones that. Yeah, it's, it's your fault. it's your fault. When in reality, and the, and the man on the street knew that you can't print off money like this. And and part of my platform is saying, people, we have to put our hands back to work. Every single person, every person, Mick, me included, it has yep. been forced on us due to an economic economic principle called the Cantillian effect where whoever gets the money first is in the best position as it trickles down. But every single person from the poorest among us to the local farmer, to the large scale farmer, to the small business owner like me, to the local pharmaceutical company, to the big defense contractors, to Joe Biden's 10%, they are all on the take. And Americans have to stop this. We got our hand out. We have to put our hands back to work, stop asking for money, stop looking for every program, start, stop looking for every subsidy. And we're all guilty of it because in a way they force that upon us by making this available. If you don't keep up, you're going to be left behind. I can guarantee you that every part of my, every part of what I do in Washington, DC, if my constituency elects me, will be to scale back the federal government and give the power back to the states and back to the individuals on every single level. That's that's exactly what's got to happen. So uh, where can people find you at? Uh, where can they help out if they want to help out with your campaign? Donate, because I'm pretty sure I'm just making an estimate here. I'm not really sure. I'm not 100% sure. But with what you just said, uh, I guarantee you just won 90% of all of our listeners. Our audience, yeah. Uh, they pretty much are, uh, especially I know of four and three of them happen to live in Indiana. So yeah. uh, nice. I'm, I'm fairly certain. I know of four of them. You just won because of things you've just said. So where can people find you at? Tcharlesbookwalter.com is our website. From the website, they can find all of our other social media platforms, Facebook, Getter, Instagram. Um, they can donate on tcharlesbookwalter.com. Um, and they can just sign up for our, new, our weekly newsletter. So that's the first place they could go to learn more, see our platforms. Um, and it's a constantly um, evolving website and social media platform. So, and of course they can donate. And I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to, to speak on your podcast. Do you, do you have a, uh, do you have any events coming up? Anything like people can come out? I mean, when is, do you have a primary or do you have? Uh, yeah, that's the most yeah, yeah. That's primary date. Cause that's, that's of course. Great, great, yeah. Focused on. yeah. Great question. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, May 3rd is the Indiana primary. 
Um, so yes, we are always looking for volunteers. It may not surprise you based on the, the responses to your questions that I am not being supported by the establishment GOP. I'm getting very little support. Um, uh, we're actually fact, hearing a lot of that. We're actually yeah. hearing you're not the first politician but, to come on here or want to be politician, uh, <laughs> candidate politician to come on here and tell us I'm getting no support from the GOP. No support. Yeah. In fact, they're putting obstacles in the way, but that's a time for another discussion. Um, so, uh, um, we do have an events uh, um, part on our on our website uh, that we will update. But a lot of what I'm doing right now is in Indiana. We have Lincoln Day dinners, Tea Party events, local legislative uh, events that I'm going to to um, you know just to meet the people and get my get our message out. I'm going to put you in touch with uh, Dr. Candace Taylor. She's running for the governor of Georgia. She's gotten absolutely zero support from the GOP down here because everybody's back in, uh, uh, not Kemp, but um, Purdue, Purdue, who uh, was just not uh, given Endorsed the blessing by, by, Trump. by Trump. But she has done a lot to fight it. And what I'm going to do is put you in touch with her so that way she can tell you how she did it. And maybe there's some things that cross the lines that can help you with what you're doing because she's already dealt with it. She's already dealt with the non-helping GOP that's done everything but, you know, to sabotage her and mm -hmm. instead of help her. And I think if I get the two of you together, you guys will hit it off. You'll talk about it for days. It'll be well worth your time. And we, we might have helpful. Yeah. a congressional roundtable. We, we might want to do we're that. We're planning a, a gubernatorial roundtable here um, in, in the next couple of weeks, either right, probably right before the primaries um, for the gubernatorial candidates that we've been speaking to, but we've had a lot of congressional candidates come on. So. We might have to get so, all yeah, of you guys linked think, up together. Yeah. I think we should do a congressional yeah. roundtable as well for our, our uh, congressional candidates because, you know, it, it's, if you can make those alliances now, then, um, you know, you'll, you'll have a friend when you get to Washington or a few of them yep. So yep. that, you know, you're count me in line so that's that'll be fantastic there you go all right um, well we appreciate you coming on today sir and uh enjoy uh, the rest of your day yeah and uh folks get out there start local this is it here you go here's another candidate that we brought on told you we're not going to bring i mean we'll bring the other side on they won't last long because so, <laughs> like i will destroy them in the first 10 minutes <laughs> but either way again thank you so much thank you for your service thank you for everything you've done and thank you for what you're about to do because uh i won't take that step only because i am not political <laughs> and i'm not a nice person when i don't like you so <laughs> people don't like that about me so rangers uh, lead the way huh? oh yeah oh. <laughs> so we Again, might have, we might have to call that this, this one that yeah. Rangers lead the way. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Green Berets, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, All right. I know, but green, green Berets lead the way. There you go. There you Whatever. Go. <laughs> Most Green Berets don't have a Ranger tab. That's why us Green Berets say Rangers lead the way. Yep. You have the four. When, when you when you wear the three up and down, it's uh, it's it's amazing. There's very few people. They go, you did both? Well, yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So anyway, sir, we appreciate your time today and uh, take care Likewise. and uh, good luck. And uh, I you. hope to get you back on here before yeah. your May 5th deadline uh, we'll May try, or May 3rd deadline. We'll bring you back on. So that way, hopefully we get whatever left out of Indiana that needs to come out. Hopefully we'll have some more. I want to bring on some more local questions, especially about Indiana. Uh, sure. Unfortunately, we, we posted this. I don't think we had enough, really enough time for everybody to get back to us in time for local questions for yeah. Indiana. But maybe the, we'll have some by then that you'll be able to talk to what's going on in Indiana specific. And that's really what I want to hear is from the people of Indiana. If they don't want to ask the questions, I don't mind asking them. I mean, I'll ask the, yep. the questions that nobody wants to ask. Yep. I, don't, I don't care about that. But we hit the big ones, and that's the big 
big part. And I want people to hear what your message is. And again, go to the, go to his website. It is uh, tcharlesbookwalter.com. I'm looking at it right now. It's his ugly mugs up there, but um, everything else in there is it, it is it's pretty self explanatory, folks. It's quick, and I like his action photos. He's even got GI Joe action photos. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Especially Excellent. the medical ones. But uh, all right, sir. Well, we appreciate it again. Thank, Thank you, you so very much, Mick and Vilan. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Yes, Have a sir. Great day. Have a great day. So Charles T. Buckwalter or T. Charles Buckwalter, Buckwalter, Salter. I can't I keep screwing it up. <laughs> Either way, uh, folks, uh, we'll be back. We've got a couple more interviews today. Uh, one, two. We got three more to do today. So uh, either way, folks, check him out. He's on there. Um, we'll, we'll get back as to our endorsement. And we got to figure all that out. We still got to do our own digging and research. But I'm pretty sure that uh, you heard it here. I mean, he's pretty pissed off about what's going on. And I would fair to say that what he's going to do is hopefully make some change. And these are the people that we need to put in. This is what we're saying. Look, you can burn the whole system down. I get it. Burn it down. But you have to have a plan for the backstop. backstop. So, yeah. And I, I didn't drag him down too many rabbit holes because I didn't want to Marjorie Taylor Greene him before he even gets there. But. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> good idea. <laughs> but I could tell he, he I think uh, he's going to go that route anyway. I, I think so too. But I think he, him he, and <laughs> he, and, he and MCG are going to be fast friends. Fast friends. I think so yes. as well. So, um, you know, we can probably get him in touch with her too through Candace. So, yes, we hey, can. What do you know? Uh, but, but I, I like people that aren't afraid to say what they think because that's, uh, that's something that's not going on in yeah, Washington. There, there's too much, too much pussyfooting around. Yes. Yeah. Too much beating around the bush. And that's not what we need. We need straightforward, honest leaders. And you know, it's something that he, he's, that you were talking about, about Congress not getting anything done. And honestly, I feel like the Senate doesn't get anything done either because all they do is talk all day long. Yeah. Right. Even, even Rand Paul, and don't get me wrong. I love Rand Paul. He's fantastic, but all he does is talk. Sure, he brings people on, to, you know, calls them on the carpet. And then where do they go from there? They go back to their plush office, you know, with their big salaries and their insider trading and nothing gets done. Nothing gets fixed. No one's ever held accountable because we need true leadership. But right? I, And I think he addressed that, though, because he did say taking accountability is something that has to happen in exactly. Washington, D.C. And I think that is the part that um, if you missed that part, definitely go back and listen to this, ep this episode again. But he definitely brought up people being being held accountable for the, their actions, not just Democrats, Republicans too. everybody yes. being held uh, accountable. And I think that is that's something that hasn't happened in Washington, D.C. in a very long time. No, exactly. But, you know, we we need someone with his leadership abilities, his capabilities, his experience to to help show people the way, yeah. you know, to, to getting things done because, you know, we joke that the army's all hurry up and wait. And it's true. The army is all hurry up and wait, but you know, when the shit hits the fan, you, you guys don't sit around talking about what you're going to do. You go out and do it. Yep. You get That's it done. It. And you know what, if the plan goes to shit halfway through, then you come up with a new one halfway through and you still get it done. And even if you have to do it on the side, you, you do it as fast as possible. Right. Cause we need to start getting things done around here instead of just talking about it. Cause couldn't right. agree more. All right. Okay. So we will be back later, folks. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll talk to you later for yeah. the Mick. Like, share, subscribe. Yeah. And for the Mick. And VLAN. We'll, we'll talk to you later, folks. <laughs> Not going to take it. Not going to take it.